Good morning. Once again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. God has blessed us to see not just another day, but today is a great day. And I know today is a great day, number one, because it is the day the Lord has made. God doesn't make anything but great days. Uh, Today is a great day because today God still reigns in the kingdom of men. Today uh, God uh, still sends down blessings from above as only he can do. And he has allowed us to be here to worship him in spirit and in truth. And it is my hope and prayer uh, that we appreciate what a tremendous blessing it is to be able to come together with the children of God and to be in God's presence to worship him. Uh, The psalmist said back in Psalm 122 verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Uh, He was glad to go into the house of the Lord because that was a good place to be. It was good to be with the people of God. It was good to be in the presence of God. And God has been good to us. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention uh, this morning again to uh, the text from which we had a very polished reading this morning. Appreciate, Brother Holt. Uh, want to look there again in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, want to use this morning verse 1 as a foundation for this morning's message. Uh, Hebrews 12 verse 1, the writer says, Wherefore, seeing we also, also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Uh, Based on the words of the Hebrew writer here in Hebrews chapter 12, we want to use this morning as a subject a great cloud of witnesses. As we consider the text that we have before us here in Hebrews chapter 12, Have you ever overheard people talking about you? And when I say over here, I mean they're talking about you, but not necessarily aware that you can hear what they're saying. It's been my experience that when people don't know that you are listening, they tend to be a little more candid, shall we say, in what they have to say about you. Uh, And if your experience uh, has been like mine, not only can what they say not always be complimentary, but in my mind, sometimes it's just outright inaccurate. But I try not to get overworked about this. I I remember the words of the wise man in Ecclesiastes uh, 7, verses 21 and 22. He says, also take no heed, unto all the words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. If I understand what he's saying, when you think people are talking about you, don't go out of your way to try to hear what it is they're saying. They may not be saying something complimentary. Then you have to deal with your attitude towards them because they've said something that's not so complimentary. But then notice what he says in verse 22. 
For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. And if it's true that people have talked about you, well, then the wise man just says, as a matter of being honest, you've talked about other people yourself. Uh, so don't cast, uh, throw stones, uh, or rather cry when stones are thrown at you when you've been throwing some stones of your own. But I try to remember when we talk about one another, and I know we don't do that, but, but I know it happens. I, I try to remember when, when you talk about this idea of people talking about things and talking about one another, that you can't ask everyone for advice. You know, if I'm going to ask for some advice about making money, uh, then I'm going to ask somebody who has some money. And not just somebody who has some ideas about how to get rich. If I have a question about marriage, I'm going to find somebody that's happy to be together. And not those two that are just together because neither one of us wants to pay alimony. You have to be careful who you ask for advice. And I've also learned that you can't believe everything you hear. And even God knows what it's like to be talked about. You know, everybody gets talked about. Even God gets talked about. And, and believe you me, when God gets talked about, everything that is said is not accurate. You just look at our religious world today. There are people saying all kinds of things about God that they're not just inaccurate. They just flat outright contradict what God has said in his word. So one of the dangers of talking about others is that there's no shortage of misinformation available. And, and I believe this had somewhat to do with the question Jesus put to his disciples in uh, Matthew chapter 16. Uh, you remember uh, the Bible says he came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And he said, well, now, if the question is, what are people saying? Yeah, well, some, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, some just say you're one of the prophets. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? See, Jesus understood you can't listen to everything that everybody is saying. I, I know folk are saying some inaccurate things about me, but, but I want my people to be sure of what's right. So if we are going to talk about God, we, we need to be careful who we listen to. And, and I believe we need to find people that have actual experience with God and will be honest about their experience. And so when we look at Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says, Wherefore, or therefore, depending on which translation you're reading, but wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, appreciate when he says that, he, he's referring to all the folk that he's just mentioned in, in what we call chapter 11. I, I'm talking about the Abels and the Noahs and the Abrahams and uh, uh, the Davids. He said, we have all of these people who are ready to tell us something about God. And as he's bringing to us the witness of these individuals in, in, in chapter 12, he likens the Christian life to a foot race, such as those seen in the ancient Olympic Games. And, and the foot race here in particular was a marathon. Uh, you know what the marathon is, don't that, That's the long race. That, that's the one you really have to train for before you run, or, or the lack of training will tell on you. But in verse 1, uh, he mentions this great cloud of witnesses, 
And again, undoubtedly, it's a direct reference back to chapter 11, and the Old Testament heroes there mentioned, and they are all witnesses with a testimony. And I want to talk about these witnesses, but let me say, before we talk about these witnesses, appreciate as you live your life that everyone is not hoping for your success. And there are people in life that are against you, and I appreciate there are people in life that are for you, but, but be aware of that. If you aspire to do something constructive with your life, then those with no ambition are against you. If you are a child of God, then the world is against you. And no matter who you are, the devil is against you. So everybody has somebody that is against you. But when people are against you, they become a distraction to you. The people against you are hoping that their opposition will discourage you, that it will rob you of your confidence and move you to give up. And I believe that everybody knows what it's like to have someone against you. And life can be very difficult when people are against you. Well, chapter 12 is the exact opposite of that. The Hebrew writer said, well, let me tell you about some folk that are for you. And let me tell you about some folk that, that had a positive word to say about God. So even as there are people against you, there are people that are for you. And it's these people of whom the Hebrew writer is speaking in our text. And when people are for you, it encourages you to give your all and do your best. So as we look at the witness of these individuals, and let me say it's a given that life is hard. It's a given that life is a struggle. I remember Job, Job chapter 14, verse 1, saying, Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And since life is a struggle, there are some witnesses with a testimony that we need to hear. That there are some people that want us to be faithful to God. That there are some people that want us to know that even though the road is tough, that God will make a way. So in short, we can say not only do these witnesses have a testimony, but these witnesses are also rooting for us. So again, in verse number one, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, since we are still alive in the flesh, we're still running our race. But God has some people that have already run their race, and they are witnesses with a testimony for us. Now, because of time constraint, we, we don't have time to consider every witness uh, uh, that the Hebrew writer mentions here. I, I want to drop down to verse number 7. Uh, uh, rather, I want to go back to Hebrews 11, verse number 7. Uh, he says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah testified or witnesses to the fact that God is a savior. He witnesses to the fact that God will save the just from an unjust world. And I'm glad for the testimony of Noah because Noah's testimony lets me know that there's something better than being part of the in crowd and being part of the in crowd is not always the end thing. 
His, his witness declares uh, that there are some better and more important things in life than the approval of men and the pleasures of this world. And Noah foresaw what others only saw. Did, did you know there's a difference between foresee and see? See, see, see means I see it when it's right there in front of me. But foresee means I, I have the wherewithal to discern or anticipate it before it's in front of me. And, and by the word of God, Noah foresaw the flood. Now, uh, uh, the wise man tells us in Proverbs 22, verse 3, that a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Now, think about what the Hebrew writer tells us. God came to Noah and let Noah know that I'm going to destroy the world by flood. Noah paid attention to what God said, but he went out and warned others of what God was saying, but they just kind of dismissed what God said. So while Noah foresaw the flood, they only saw. And, and let me tell you, foresee will bless your living. Foresee will help me avoid some troubles that others have to go through. I imagine when the rain started coming down, uh, that there were people that made haste to get down to the ark, but the door was already shut. And Noah sacrificed on the front end that he might be blessed on the back end. And so the witness of Noah lets me know that even as Noah had an ark in his day in which he and his family were saved, there is an ark today, the Church of Christ, in which the children of God will be saved. And appreciate, the ark isn't the most popular place, but it's the safe place. I can imagine Noah just took some ridicule while he was building that boat. I can imagine there were some folk that just thought Noah had to be out of his mind to think that the world was going to be overcome by a flood. Do you see the parallel there? Some folk just find the idea of one church untenable. But by the word of God, we are able to foresee what others will only see. So I'm glad for the testimony of Noah. But then looking there again in Hebrews 11, verse 8, the Hebrew writer has another witness with a testimony. In verse 8 he says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. And so Abraham bears witness to the fact that God is a provider. He, he, uh, uh, he testifies to the fact that God will guide and provide for his children, and that we will understand it better as we sing in the old song sometimes by and by. Uh, we don't always understand it right now, but we know who we serve. That that's why you walk by faith. I, I don't always, I'm not always able to put all the details together, but I trust the God that I serve. It, Noah is a witness to the fact that that's good policy. It is good to walk with God and let God handle the details. I, I'm glad for the testimony of Abraham because his testimony declares that as extreme as some of God's commands may seem, God has a better idea and a better plan. Can you imagine if God just told us like he told Abraham, I just want you to leave everything you know, everything that's familiar to you, everything that's comfortable, and I just want you to go, and I'll let you know where you're going when you get there. That's extreme. 
That, that, that requires me to place myself at the absolute mercy of the God I serve because I have no idea where you're going to take me. But just as Abraham didn't know what God was going to, sh going to show him, I, I don't know what God is going to show me. Now, I know we like to think we know what's going on, and, and we like to think that we're in control, but, but we really live at the mercy of the God that we serve. And, and, but I'm glad that God is the God that he is and that God is handling the details. And, and if I can't see what God is trying to show me right now, I know that when he decides to show it to me, it will be well worth the wait and well worth seeing. Because I know God being the God that he is, that all his commands have my best interest at heart. Do you remember the word of John, 1 John 5, verse 3? He says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Now, when he says his commandments are not grievous, John doesn't want us to believe that it won't try us sometime to do what God said. Yes, it will. But what you need to know is that God's commands are always in your best interest. God's commands are always right. And if they seem a little extreme, it's not because God is extreme, it's because we need some straightening up. And, and I've learned in the parent-child relationship, having been blessed to stand on both sides of the fence, that a child does not see or appreciate all that a parent sees and appreciates. I mean, my mother just saw some things that I just didn't see. She understood some things that I didn't understand. But when I was blessed to stand on the other side of the fence, you know, it's amazing how perspective can change what you see. Yet when I got to stand on the other side of the fence, now all of the things that she saw that made no sense to me as a child suddenly made crystal clear sense to me. Now I see what you were saying. Well, don't you know that's our experience with God? From our perspective, we can't see what God sees. We don't understand what God understands, but I have to trust the faithfulness of God. I'm glad for the witness of somebody like Abraham who said, you may not see what God sees. You may not know what God knows, but you know God. You know that God can be trusted. If God allows you to go through it, that there's a good reason for what you're going through. Trust God's faithfulness. And then if I could move down there in chapter 11, uh, all the way down to verse number 24, the Hebrew writer calls yet another witness to the stand. In Hebrews 11, verse 24, he says, by faith, Moses. And you notice you keep hearing those two words, by faith. Every witness here is operating with God by faith. Meaning, I received the word of God and I obeyed it, and my experience is that God did what he said he would do. And that it worked out the way God said it would work out. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses wasn't kicked out of the palace. He left by choice. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Do you hear what the Hebrew writer is saying? How often in life do people choose the right thing when it's the hard thing rather than take the easy way out? And Moses said, I couldn't lay here in the palace and eat grapes all day, but I'm not one of the Egyptians. I belong with the people of God. And then in verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, 
for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. See, I, I, I like what the Hebrew writer says there in verse 25. Uh, right at the end, he chose to suffer affliction rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin. And then notice what he said, for a season. See, this life is for a short time. And you don't even get everything that's true in this life for the duration of your life. Uh, you know, the pleasures of sin for a season. Do you know as you get older, you're not capable of doing all that you did when you were younger? You know, sometimes we get older and talk about, you know, I don't go run the streets anymore. Uh, you can't run the streets anymore. Uh, yeah, not all of a sudden you, you got right with God in your mind. It changed. Well, what you have appreciated is that you have a season where you can do certain things in your living. And when that season is over, it's just gone. Well, Moses foresaw that you have seasons in your life. And he appreciated that the reward that God was going to give is eternal and better than the uh, 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 temporary pleasures of this life. I'm glad for the testimony of Moses. He, he testifies that God is a deliverer. Moses testifies to the fact that God will deliver his people and give them a sure reward. And again, I'm glad for Moses' testimony. Uh, uh, Moses' testimony reminds me that my life is not really my life, it's God's life. You know, we need to remember that. You know, sometimes we talk about it's my life, it's not your life. It's God's life. It's God because God created you. And if you are a member of the Lord's church, as, the, uh, uh, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20, you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. My life is really God's life. I, I think that crossed Moses' mind once or twice when he made the decision to go join the Israelites rather than be considered an Egyptian. You know, this is not really my life. It is not my time and my money. It's not my anything. I, I'm a servant of God and I'm here to glorify God. And be open to the fact when we think about that, that God may want to use you in ways you would never imagine. I wonder how many of us, your life right now today, is exactly how you planned it out, uh, you know, when you were a teenager. I, I don't know about you, but my life had kind of worked out a little different than I planned it as a teenager. You know, being a preacher of the gospel wasn't in my original plan. I'm glad God had a better idea. I think I have the best job you could ever have. And I'm not just saying that because I happen to have it. I just don't know what you could do better than preaching the gospel of Christ Jesus. And, and I'm glad God chooses you in spite of you. I, I know God didn't pick me because of me. You know, I think sometimes God picks people like me to say, see, this is what I can do with anybody. I, I'm just glad God can do something with anybody. But don't plan your life without including God in the plan. And as great as the testimony of these men is, and there are more, there are so many more that testify of the same. As the Hebrew writer says down in verse 32 in chapter 11, we don't even have time to hear the witness of Enoch and Sarah and Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Joshua, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. He said, man, if we had time, there are a whole lot of witnesses I could call to the stand. 
and down the line, every one of them would testify to the fact that if you walk with God by faith, he'll show himself to be true. The Christian race is without doubt a marathon, a long race that requires determination, endurance, courage, and patience. And if you've paid any kind of attention while you're running your race, then you look, uh, uh, you've noticed that many have entered the Christian race and fallen by the wayside. I suspect when marathoners are running, they notice when folk drop out of the race. Now, what you can't do is you can't pay too much attention to the folk that have stopped. Now, I don't mean you don't care, but if you pay too much attention to the folk that have stopped, after a while, you'll be one of the stopped people, and other folk will be passing you by. Yeah, you want to give them a word of encouragement. Keep going. Yeah, you, you don't have to plan for the finish line. You just set a goal about 100 yards away. Make that 100 yards and then set another goal another 100 yards away. And, and what you'll notice, if you keep adding those yards together, that's called progress. Some look at the Christian race and they say, you know, that, that race is just not for me. You better remember the witness of Moses. The pleasures of sin are for a season. But eternity is forever. See, we, we need to be able to foresee things like that. This great cloud of witnesses is rooting for us by their testimony. And one of the takeaways from this is that what God has done for these witnesses, he will also do for us. I imagine in our assembly we've got some Noah's and some Abraham's, and some Moses, and some Sarah's, uh, and some Mary's. Uh, all of us have had different experiences in life. But if we have walked with God by faith, then we can add our witness to the witness of these people here in Hebrews 11, whom the writer talks about in verse 12, that God will show himself true if you walk with him. There will never be a credible witness that will stand up and say, I walk with God, and he didn't keep his word. Not even one. Down the line, the witness is, if you walk by faith with God, he shows himself true. That'll just encourage us as we go day by day. Let me walk with God by faith. I've got all these witnesses. You ever been to a court proceeding? You know, sometimes they bring in what they call character witnesses. You've got all these character witnesses, and their witness agrees down the line. God is faithful. God is just. God is able. He's a savior. He's a provider. He's a deliverer. He's a way maker. He's everything we need him to be uh, uh, to make it through uh, this race that we call life. God welcomes us. Uh, into his spiritual family through the gospel of Christ Jesus. He causes the gospel to be preached and bids us come to him through the atoning work of Christ Jesus. But we need to hear the gospel message, Romans 10, 17. We need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, John 8, 24. Be willing to repent of sin, Luke 13, 3. Confess faith in Jesus, Matthew 10, 32 and then be baptized in water for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. And when we are baptized as an uh, obedient response to the gospel, 
As a matter of grace and mercy, God washes away our sins in the waters of baptism, indwells us with his spirit, and adds us to the church. And when we are added to the church, we need to pay attention to the testimony of these witnesses because that's what will help you keep running your race day by day. So if you're here this morning, you want to be baptized or you want the church to pray for you, uh, we bid you to come as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation. <laughs>